Welcome to the Debt Free Journey podcast and I'm Sophia Cargis from Drowning in Debt. I'm excited to be able to share our podcast with you and hope you find the information helpful on your journey to a debt-free life. I'm Dimitri from Drowning in Debt and this morning I'm with Jesse Erico from J&E Consulting. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning, Mr. Dimitri. How are you? Very well, thanks. So Jesse's a, a mortgage broker and I've known Jesse for a number of years. Uh, so I thought I'd give the audience an opportunity to hear from Jesse uh, and understand a bit about lending uh, and how it relates to people getting into more and more debt. So thanks for your time, Jesse. Oh, no worries. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us about how you got into mortgage broking, first of all? I've actually been 12 years in the finance and banking industry, 10 of which was actually working for one of the big uh, four banks, and two years actually broking my own business. So what, what got you away from banking uh, and starting up your own practice? The, the main reason for leaving the bank and starting up my own practice was more of a case of my personal preference for you know work-life balance and what I actually wanted to achieve for myself. Um, another thing is, well, I didn't quite like the way banks were heading. Uh, and a lot was to do with, you know, customers and staff and, and just an overall projection of how the bank made me feel on a day-to-day basis. So I decided to leave and start my own business, focus on what I still like to do, but uh, doing it for myself. So a number of the clients that I deal with are going through some kind of career transition. So tell us about how the transition went from being an employee of the bank to some of the challenges you might have faced or still face in having your own practice and effectively working remotely and away from people more often than not? Uh, Good question. Uh, Working for a bank, and I think working for a company in general, you'll find there's always something to do during the day. They they set specific tasks for you to complete during the day and basically fill your day full of a lot of things. Working for yourself is a bit different. And if you aren't disciplined enough to structure your day properly, you very easily get into a situation where you're not quite doing much during the day. So you've got to be diligent in filling your day with something to keep generating business or what you might do now will bring you some sort of business or an activity to do in three or four months time because there's no one on the back end or there's no one above you or behind you pushing you or giving you directive. You have to sort it out for yourself. What were some of the concerning things you saw within banking uh, from a customer perspective? Good question. One of the main concerning things I've seen was that banks lost their focus towards customers. Uh, I, I did a lot of roles while I was in the bank from you know retail to corporate to private. Especially in the retail space, I felt the banks didn't have enough time for customers. They wanted it to be very transactional. If a customer had a problem, we either didn't have enough staff or we just didn't have time to adequately sit down and say to this customer, how can I actually help you? Uh, it was an almost impossible task. And how, how has that changed, I guess, now that you're in control of your own destiny from a customer experience perspective? Tell me about how you run your practice differently to the flexibility you might have had at the bank to do that. Well, the way I run my own practice, it's all customer-centric. My clients, I purely focus on what my clients' needs are. I don't have any other directives from anyone else. If it's not 
if my day doesn't involve all the tasks I'm doing actually don't involved in either benefiting my clients or myself, then they're non-existent. So there's clearly a conflict when you're working for a bank in terms of only selling their own product, their own home loans, their own credit cards. You've clearly got a lot more flexibility as a, as a mortgage broker to conduct research in terms of what's in the best interest of your client. Give me, give me some examples of that, how that plays out. Well, that's, that's right. And at the moment in the current environment that we're in, especially in the mortgage broking world, best interest duty is one of the main focuses around you know mortgage brokers at the moment and that stems heavily from you know the last 12 to 18 months we came out of a royal commission which you know looked into malpractice in banking and also broking so i don't have access to just one lender or financial institution i have access to more than 20 so majority of what i do after speaking to a customer and getting to understand what it is they want to achieve is based on research. So research, researching you know different banks, different products, and what's gonna suit my client best is a main focus of what I do. So how did you transition from general employment or corporate, the corporate world into your own practice financially? I mean, the, the, I see some of the challenges some of my clients face when they've either been made redundant or chosen to leave uh, of their own accord in maintaining some kind of lifestyle did you have reserves? Did you have to tap into lines of credit and credit cards? How did you get through that period of time? That's a really good question. With what's going on at the moment in this world, especially, you know, coronavirus has hit not just only Australia, but the world quite hard. A lot of Australians are currently or about to enter into financial hardship. And that's at no fault of their own. But if I had to relate that to how I made that transition from permanent employment to working for myself it did take quite a bit of planning so I had to understand what it's going to cost me to essentially function for 12 months without making any income and that was a mixture of me you know putting some money aside Um, I did take out an overdraft facility from the bank to help me get through on the tough times because cash flow when you're running your own business is quite detrimental to whether you're going to be successful or not you might you might be a very busy business in general but if you don't have adequate cash flow especially if you're getting paid you know every second month every third month you you had how do you maintain getting through those tough periods so that's what i did i had it was a mixture of my own cash and an overdraft and using both of those together effectively to see me through Till the business was making enough money where I could self-sustain on my own. So, I guess our my, well, so I guess my practice helps clients that are experiencing financial distress, and some of them are homeowners, some of them are renting. Each of them has different circumstance. I'm curious to understand some of the themes that you see of people coming to borrow money from you, uh, and whether that's changed recently in terms of affordability, the serviceability, the, how, what the bank's attitude is in terms of lending money. You would have seen a lot of changes over the last couple of years. So can you talk to us about that? Over the last 12 to 18 months, there's definitely been a lot of changes. And again, especially coming out of a Royal Commission into you know, lending practices, the banks have definitely tightened the belt on lending money. And not just home loans, it's credit cards, personal loans, car finance, overall lending itself has tightened up what i'm finding at the moment although we are in a low interest rate environment 
So no sooner do they get paid, they're paying down the credit cards, but then they've used all their, their salary to, on the credit cards and then they're using the credit cards again until they get paid again. So it's a vicious cycle of living off credit and it's very hard to get out of. Have you seen any recent examples without obviously naming any customers where I guess th- their reliance on credit has actually caused them not to be able to borrow enough money or had their loan declined in that respect? Uh, very recently, I had, I had a client who has four credit cards, uh, unfortunately all maxed out and there was no room to actually you know, use some savings or, or consolidate the credit cards onto their current home loan. So uh, the credit cards were 50,000. So this client came to me wanting to look at what does the next 12 months look like for them, you know, they wanted to increase the size of their family, so increase the house, you know, get a bigger house. With the current credit card limits that they have, it was detriment to what they wanted to do because if essentially 50,000 worth of credit cards was, you know, the difference of that person borrowing an extra 250,000 on top of their mortgage to get that bigger house. So effectively, it's a multiplier of five of whatever your credit card limit is, not, not, not even the balance. So even if they had a zero credit card balance, but the limit was $50,000, that's still you're saying around $250,000 in borrowing capacity that would be impacted in this situation. It's a, that's a rough estimate. Obviously, everyone's situation is different because it's, it's based around multiple factors, things like you know, total income and total debt. But having those credit cards there was detrimental to what they wanted to achieve. If, if those credit cards weren't there or we, we, had, well, we had much lower repayments or limits of, say, 10000 we could we could look at achieving what they wanted to do. So re, re, relying on credit was not good in this instance. So unfortunately, instead of having the next 12 months where these clients were looking for their next dream home and increasing their family, you know, they're looking at the next 12 months of actually paying down as much credit card debt as possible and then 12 months after that, getting back to, on track to their goal. So they've just lost almost a year of what they wanted to achieve. And clients often don't understand that a $50,000 credit card facility, when it's maxed out, it's costing you between 2 and 3% in repayments. So at $50,000, you're at least $1,000 in the red each month on repayments, which obviously the lender calculates when they're assessing your loan application. Can you, what's the most common question you get asked from your client when they're coming to see you, other than is it approved or not? Obviously, that's you're helping people create their dreams. What's the most common set of questions you might get asked as part of a loan application? The main question I'm getting asked at the moment is cash flow. So I'm seeing a lot of clients who have either been in their current home or they've had a mortgage for, say, four to five years. During that time, they've taken out more debt, whether it be for cars and credit cards or holidays, and they're now looking to make things a lot easier. That's that's the most common thing we're getting at the moment. Um, So consolidating personal debt, credit cards into the mortgage if there is room. If there isn't room, it's a bit concerning, but people are looking to put more money in their pockets because obviously there's a lot of concerns in the world and everyone wants to feel more secure and you know, reducing interest rates. So it's, it's a constant review of what's going on in someone's lives. And this, is, this stems back to a main reason why I did leave the financial institutions and start working for myself because the bank unfortunately won't call these customers and say hey what is going on can we help in any way 
these a lot of customers will do four or five years on their mortgages and have all these debts and not know where to turn so the importance of what i do is creates a personal relationship and i can guide these people into better situations so given your portfolio of customers over the past couple of years have you seen them paying down their debt or are they using the current environment of low interest rates to effectively pull out equity to live off what what's your assessment of the situation at the moment people are mainly paying down debt yeah so although interest rates are at a record low people are taking advantage to actually put as much money as they can on the mortgage that way if interest rates do slowly creep up whatever time period between those two points they've made a difference on their mortgage people are looking for a better lifestyle do you have any examples where you've had a client who's had significant uh, I guess bad debt credit card debt personal loan debt car debt and how they've gone about restructuring that over a couple of years or over a 12 month period I guess I'm looking for an example where you've got a, a good case study where someone's significantly turned it around taking your advice and your and your guidance to put themselves in a better situation and how they've gone about that uh, I've got I do have an example probably from about a year ago I had clients that have a home loan house they had two credit cards they had a loan against a car and they had also had a loan against a caravan so they were definitely living way beyond their means they had a lot of plans so when i first met them they had a lot of plans a lot of goals a lot of dreams to achieve but the thing that was stopping them was during the course of the month they had so many things to take care of car repayments caravan repayments credit card repayments they were living way beyond their means so we had to clean it all up uh, lucky for us there was enough room on or equity in the property where we could consolidate and put so every, rather than go from four five different repayments per month we've gone to one so it wasn't a case of so much an interest save it was more of making cash flow a lot easier during the course of the month now that was 12 months ago i seen these clients uh, again about a month ago they're ready to actually they've actually just purchased their first investment property slash holiday home that's a massive difference in 12 months going from can barely afford the mortgage can barely afford to put food on the table and keep up with all the the things that they're trying to do to okay we've consolidated we've made life easier we're now buying our first investment property that's a huge change in 12 months what what did they do differently what were the couple of things that you've identified that enabled them to make such a massive transition well the, they were relying on on readily available credit but they were also relying yeah, their lifestyle and it's it's a term i don't like using but they essentially were keeping up with the joneses you know we want we constantly want the better things we want you know we want the caravan we want the better car every year we want everything to be better constantly but if you're only making a certain amount of money the only way you're going to get these things is to keep borrowing on more credit and more credit and more credit to get the things you want with these customers it wasn't an overnight fix it was constant reiteration and constant catching up and and having discussions around you know better money management and you know do you necessarily need all these things constantly after you've got them 
you know and it was a big a big step forward for these people because the way they were using their money in general was was not suiting their lifestyle but they couldn't see any other way out until we actually sat down and had a conversation so one of the most common questions i get asked when someone comes to see us is what about my credit rating so people that reach out to us are generally in significant distress they might have a home but they've generally got you know tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt which they've been struggling to pay they're like i said earlier they're juggling their credit cards to one car to pay the minimum repayments to pay the mortgage and it's, it's a constant juggle and they can never get ahead and there's always a circumstance it could be employment related it could be medically related but the thing they're most concerned about is their credit rating can you give me any examples of how you've experienced that in your business uh credit rating is an interesting topic um most banks will look at you will judge you by your credit rating but there's multiple factors that do affect what your credit rating actually looks like Uh, applying for too much debt in a short period of time yes does affect your credit rating Um, and banks now with all their you know common reporting features you know they rely on they have access to viewing what your accounts look like at other banks. Are you paying things on time? Are you paying your electricity bills on time? You know, your, your gas bills. Everything is open for ev- all financial institutions to see. Having a really low credit score will detriment you. Be a detriment to you when applying for mortgages, uh, because some banks at the moment tend to not lend to people under a certain score. Do you have a sense of what that score, what that number is, or is it variable depending on each of the banks? Uh, it's variable depending on each of the banks, but to give an example, one financial institution the other day would uh, decline a loan because the client's score was below 680. Now, 680 is not a bad score, but they're currently only wanting to deal with clients that have a score above 680. So, although that's not too bad, this particular financial institution didn't want to approve that deal. So you you have situations like that though where the client uh, would have a a mark against their credit score could be phone bill or electricity bill but it could be something that happened in the past I've seen a couple where relationship breakdown one of the partners has gone off with the car and the other partner is responsible for the repayments um, and can't keep up for obvious reasons if it's it could be domestic violence it could be something like that have you had a situation that you can recall where you've gone and provided a client with an alternative solution? Uh, or a second tier lender or uh, where the credit score is low but there are other opportunities or options available in terms of that client i've actually had a case very recently where due to a relationship breakdown one person was left with all the debt while the other person quite frankly just disappeared Um, and because of that the person that was left with the debt was unable to manage it all it was impossible uh there was mortgages there was credit cards there was personal loan there was rent because they weren't living in the house there was an investment property and my client when when they came to see me was basically at a point where if i couldn't help him at this point he would probably have to claim bankruptcy or or sell the property his credit file obviously has been impacted deeply because credit cards aren't paid on time, mortgages not paid on time, basic bills aren't paid on time. There is a solution for people like this. There's not a lot of solutions. There's maybe one or two. There's one or two financial institutions or slash lenders, if you want to call them, that will look at helping people like this. 
it does come at a cost. It's it's not cheap. So to give you an example, you know, interest rates at the moment are starting off in, in the twos and, and in the threes. For a financial institution to look at this client and say, right, we can see what's going on here. We're quite willing to help you, but it's going to come at a cost of maybe a four and a half, five percent. Yes, it's a higher interest rate on the mortgage, but if you look at the overall goal at the end, it gets this client out of trouble, it gets him back on top, he can start to live life again, saves him from selling, saves him from claiming bankruptcy. So there is options for people, but it's all about actually asking for help. The main thing I see at the moment is people put their head in the sand and by the time they actually do ask for help, it's too late. Get onto it early. Tell your bank that you're going through financial hardship or go see a broker or whoever it is that you you trust and and say, I need help. I need someone to look at this because it's getting worse. So that's good lead into an email you sent out the other day to your client base, which I got, um, about financial hardship. So we're in the midst of uh, the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, A lot of people are really nervous. So tell me about your thought process around getting that communication out and examples that you may have seen previously to this around financial hardship with your, within your client base and how they've never ga- you've never gathered them through that. Uh, yes, there's an email I sent out very recently. Obviously, a lot of Australians are, uh, you know, are currently or about to enter into financial hardship. You know, the coronavirus is a detriment to the world economy, the Australian economy. A lot of people are about to lose their jobs. It's very, very concerning. A client of J&E Consulting, you know, it's my duty of care to make sure that I'm still looking after these people. You know, these people are my clients, they're on my books. And whether or not they are facing financial hardship or not, I emailed everyone yesterday, just making them aware that they need to contact me if they're feeling like they're about to get into some trouble. I don't want them to get to the point where it's too late. Call me, get on the front foot, and I'll guide them through it. And this is what a lot of people don't have. They don't have someone to guide them through the tough times. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful uh, example of leadership. I think people are naturally going to be nervous and vulnerable during this time. So I think anything we can all do to support people with, with knowledge, with information uh, around how to navigate through this, I think will hold not only your business in good stead, but I think your brand and your reputation in good stead. So... Um, well done on doing that. I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful initiative. So tell me tell me about the coronavirus, right? How are you how are you experiencing it in your life, and what concerns do you have about it more broadly? Uh, my concerns are around obviously the economy, and that affects everyone. It's not just myself. It affects me. It affects you. It affects the local butcher down the road. It affects the local coffee shop down the road. You know, people are being asked to isolate themselves. You know, airlines are shutting down, businesses are shutting down. It's it's not good for anyone, as per se. I can still run my business, uh, you know, with technology these days. You know, the effect on me is I can still communicate with people, whether it is whether we do have to isolate ourselves or not. But it is quite concerned. The main concern here is what are people going to do if they do lose their job? Bills don't stop payments don't stop mortgages don't stop life and doesn't stop but if you do lose your job or you you get reduced hours at work and you're not bringing in the same income yeah my concern is how are these people going to cope yeah i think it's a it's a genuine reality for a lot of australians i mean we we see it in our practice 
supporting people that are in financial distress without what we're currently going through, which I think is going to be a real strain on the economy, a real strain on families, budgets and small businesses. So I, I'd encourage anyone listening to this to reach out to your mortgage broker or to your, to your banking financial institution for support. I think I've seen already a number of programs being initiated by the banks to support small business uh, and families through this. It's important to take advantage of those and not suffer suffer alone and suffer in silence. And if anybody does need some support, we're certainly here to help as well. How do people find you, Jesse? I know you've, uh, you've supported customers all over Australia. I know you're often flying through Sydney, uh, Perth and other parts of the world. Um, so tell us how people would find you and uh, just your, your details. Uh, look, pe- people find me, look, after 12 years in banking and finance, I have built up quite a, a network of clients and, and business relationships and things like that. So I do I do get a lot of referred business. but uh, And, you know, part of my job is to get out there and meet as many people as possible. But uh, you can find me, you know, www.jeconsulting.com.au. Uh, so you can find us quite easily. But, um, you know, if you don't have a relationship with a financial person, I strongly agree to get one. Whether it's myself, whether it's someone down the road, or, you know, even with a bank, make sure you've got good relationships with people who can help you through financial times. Yeah, it's, I think it's a, it's a point that's well made. It's a wonderful opportunity to to stay close to your advisors and if they're, if they're not reaching out I might suggest it's time to change advisors if, if uh, really if a financial professional isn't staying close to clients you know we're seeing equity markets being obliterated in the last couple of weeks if you're not staying close to your clients at this stage when would you so I think it's a point that's really well made um, t- tell us about the most interesting case you've ever come across <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh, look, there's always a couple of interesting cases uh, and and a couple of curveballs uh, in my industry. I, I wouldn't say there's no real interesting case that stands out dramatically. Um, but uh, again, most recently, uh, finding a couple of people who are about to get into some serious financial distress, and it's just luckily that I've been introduced to these people before we've got to that. So that's that's probably just my main focus, and that's probably about as curveball as it gets for me. So the mortgage is the item that people let go last, right? They they would, you know, the mortgage is the most important expense that most families want to have covered because they don't want the bank knocking on their, on their door. I've often seen people juggle credit cards to pay for the mortgage. So in your experience, when you've seen someone get to the point where their mortgage is in arrears, what's, what's your experience of their, of their mental state of mind? Uh, quite frankly, they're stressed um, and it's not a good position to be in. And, and that's, that's why I sent that email out as well. Finances in general is a stressful thing to think about in good times and bad times. When someone is at the point where they can't make mortgage repayments, you can only imagine what they're thinking, especially if they have families. You know, the thoughts they're probably thinking is, you know, what's what's the turnaround time before the bank starts knocking on my door saying, "Hey, we're, we're going to sell your house," or or a whole range of things. But my best advice is, if you feel you are going to get to that position or you are in that position. Please don't do nothing about it. Please call the bank and let them know. There is relief packages. There's financial hardship departments from the bank to help you get through these times. You are better off contacting the bank and letting them know of your situation than not contacting the bank and they just think you just stop paying your mortgage repayments and then they put the pressure on. 
Yeah, I mean, the banks, you're right. The banks can't assume that you're in hardship or not in hardship. And there could be many reasons why you haven't paid your mortgage. So I, I, I'd reiterate what you said. We, we're often representing clients for, uh, on the basis of credit card debt, but more often than not, there's mortgage arrears and we, we reach out to the banks on their behalf. And we find the banks to be quite understanding and compassionate in terms of particularly the mortgages. Uh, but doing nothing is a real risk. If you do nothing for more than a few months, the banks will take control of the situation, issue you with a default notice and more likely than not, commence uh, proceedings on the sale of the home so is there anything else you'd like to say that we haven't covered off on uh not at this stage honestly we've, we've covered a quite quite a lot um you know we've covered a lot of topics in a short amount of time uh but again it's it's tough times we're going through and it's vital that people keep an eye on these things and like you said before if your financial professional is not reaching out to you you need to reach out to someone who's going to take care of you Jesse, thank you for taking the time uh, and sharing with us some, some wonderful insights. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm sure the audience will be grateful for what you've brought to this interview and your transparency. So um, thanks and you know, best wishes for what, what are some challenging times, but I'm sure that we'll all get through them together. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to our Debt-Free Journey podcast. Please subscribe. And be sure to share it with family, friends or anyone who's experiencing financial hardship. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.